Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, October 21st, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Matt Baxendell. Bax, three days and counting. Nebraska has 15 returning starters, including 10 offensively. Buckeyes favored by 26. What do you expect will happen on Saturday? Well, first of all, I just want to dwell on the fact that we're three days away from Ohio State finally playing football. Like, there was a certain point in time where we didn't think we were going to get this opportunity, you know? And I, I just, I'm thrilled that we are just finally going to get there. Finally. Like, this is the longest wait we've ever had for Ohio State football. And I'm just so happy it's returning. You know what I mean? Like, like there's, there's just no other way to put it other than this is something that I think all of us have been dying for to get here. Uh, the excitement that we have about this season being here, especially with the type of season Ohio State's on par for, you know, being a championship contender, not just in the Big Ten, but of course across the country, is, oh, I am so excited it's here. Now, we're playing Nebraska, who is the least excited game for me in the entire season because I'm grateful to Nebraska for their significant role they played in getting us here. Like, this is the the Kevin Warren FU Bowl, right, where – he was like, all right, fine. We'll give you a season. Then you have to play each other. Hey, Nebraska, you can play Ohio State now. You're going to lose by 40 to start the season. So that's that's also sort of my prediction. But um, we talk about returning starters. And, look, it's, it's one thing to say you have a bunch of returning starters. And if you're like Ohio State and you go, look at all the returning starters from a team that scored 47 points a game last year and was the third highest scoring offense in the country, right, I mean – they had the second highest sheer number of points in America, I believe, then, yeah, that's a great thing. If you're in Nebraska and you ranked 72nd last year nationally in scoring, uh, that's a little bit of a problem. Um, and I know they had some injuries last year at quarterback, right? Like, like it, it isn't exactly a picture-perfect scenario, but this is still a Nebraska team that was literally average in terms of scoring last year. Uh, they finished seventh in the Big Ten in, in, in points at – uh, at 28 points a game, you know, they were a team that just, I, I think you have to recognize they're still growing under Scott Frost. Right. Um, they also made a ton of mistakes last year. Like if you remember watching some of the Nebraska games last year, there are a few games that I would pretty much describe as horror shows. Right. I mean, that lost to Colorado. Do you remember that Dave? I do. Yeah. Then Mel the, Tucker, were, Mel Tucker and the Buffaloes. Yes, sir. And they were up, I believe, two touchdowns in the second half, and they ended up losing by a field goal. And it was a complete unmitigated disaster. And then they barely beat Illinois before they came to Columbus, where Ohio State bludgeoned them by six touchdowns, right? Um, or they, Sorry, before Ohio State came to Lincoln. That was the game where Jeff Okuda picked off a pass on his back. And then after that, the rest of the season, they went, I believe, two and five. One of those wins was over Northwestern, where they scored like 10 or 13 points, right? And... I think their only win was maybe was Maryland or Rutgers. I forget who it was. So they had a horrifying end of the season. And I think a lot of us last year going into the season thought that, oh, man, Nebraska is a program to watch next year under Scott Frost. Wow. There's a lot more question about them. And I think Ohio State's going to do well in this game because Nebraska has very little prayer of slowing down the Ohio State offense. Um but I, I just I don't see them as more than a four and four or five and three kind of team this year. And with their schedule, I think five and three would be a really big win for them. 
All right, so let's get down to brass tacks, then we'll move on to more Ohio State-specific topics as far as position battles and just intrigue regarding the Buckeyes. But let's give our predictions. I have this one 45-17. So I have the Buckeyes covering the spread, and I fully believe if Ryan Day wanted to win this game by more than that, he could. But I also think Nebraska is going to be, as you mentioned, improved, not where – they want to be in year three, not where I thought they would be in year three, but I, I do think Scott Frost is the right guy for the job, and I still don't think they're going to be that much improved, but I think they will be improved this year, especially on offense. They couldn't even do anything against Ohio State offensively last year. I have this one 45-17 just because Ryan Day doesn't want to run up the score against his brothers in arms. What's your final score prediction? You know, I'm pretty similar. Um, I have it at uh, at 45-10, to 10, and I think it's going to be a little Tressilian where – you know, Tress would get up 28 nothing or something on like a Mac team, and then the final score would be 35 nothing because Tress would just run the dive every play, knowing that they were never going to catch up but not wanting to embarrass them. Um, remember the Eastern Michigan game? It was like the one time Tress turned on the Jets against a Mac team, and we scored 73. So I remember, I remember thinking that was a little out of character. And I think Ryan Day, he may try to score 100 against Michigan. Uh, he'll try to make Nebraska look as respectful as possible because this is a program that we are – uh, philosophically aligned with, and um, I, I think Ohio State's going to get up pretty big, but I think they're going to they're going to run the football. They're going to turn off the Jets a little bit, and this is the kind of game where I could see in the third quarter it being thirty-eight to ten or something, and you're going to see a lot of those uh, new tailbacks getting some work. Uh, we may see a lot of steel chambers carries in the fourth quarter. Looking at the offensive line, two new starters: Nicholas Petit Ferrer at right tackle. They say you know he is all but won the job, which means he has won, for sure won the job. But they also say Paris Johnson is going to play. They also say Dewan Jones. They're going to make sure they get Dewan Jones in the game too. Just your thoughts on Nicholas Petit-Ferrer winning that job at right tackle. And also, you know, we had a chance to talk to Ryan Day yesterday and you know Greg Stodrawa, the offensive line coach. And Harry Miller is the new left guard, you know, the future starting center. He's up to 315 pounds, looking really good at left guard there, where Jonah Jackson was fantastic last year. Your thoughts on NPF and Harry Miller, Bax? Okay, so for Harry Miller, I've never been less concerned about a new starter on the offensive line in the last 20 years at Ohio State. Like, I'm not saying that to be dramatic or to make a big point, you know, but think about it, Dave, because you've been covering them this entire time. Uh, the last 20 years, you've literally covered them, whereas I was a student who was um, enjoying myself through the first part of that era until I started covering them for Ohio State, too. But I don't ever remember a guy who, not a guy switching positions, but a guy who hadn't started before that I've ever been more confident in than Harry Miller taking over at guard. I mean, can you think of any offensive lineman that, that inspires that level of confidence that we have in this kid? I can't think of an offensive line that I've seen at Ohio State that I'm this excited about, and that includes 2013, and I say that with, that's the one that it's like, ooh, 2013 was loaded with Norwell and Lindsley and help me out here, Muhort and Taylor mm -hmm. Decker and you know, who else was on that line? Come on, you got one more. I mean, who else? Oh, yeah, I know. Marcus Hall, double barrel. There, double there barrel Marcus Hall. And if Marcus Hall went out of the game, you have redshirt freshman Pat Elfline to plug him in there for the Big Ten championship game. 2013 was loaded. That's good memory, man. I thought you were going to think Reed Fragle. I was going to say one year too late. <laughs> yeah, 1996 was fantastic. That was Orlando Pace's 
final year. Well, also, but Dave, also, what 90, I meant also was... 94, but like, yeah, this, this O-line is completely loaded. No, as far as like a new starter, no, you're right. As far as like a guy that didn't start, not just a guy coming in like an Orlando pace, but a guy that didn't start the previous year, maybe Taylor Decker. I remember thinking, oh, this guy's going to be a star. Then his first start mm-hmm. ever was against Khalil Mack. And I'm like, yeah. uh, maybe I was wrong about Taylor Decker. Turns out I was right. And, and Khalil Mack was just really good. No, but I hear you. So maybe, maybe Taylor Decker who sat behind Reed Fragle, but, mm-hmm. still, play, but still played as a true freshman. You kind of felt like, I had the same feeling about Taylor Decker as I do Harry Miller, to your point. Yeah, and like you said, that 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 Khalil Mack game was one of those where everybody was like, maybe he's not as good as we thought. And then like we look back and we're like, never mind, that's the worst possible first start you could have ever asked for against that guy, right? Like, you don't expect somebody that ridiculous to come out of Buffalo. You expect him to be at Alabama or OSU, right? So poor Taylor Decker. But I, I, that's, that's my point with Harry Miller, like, I am beyond confident he's going to step in and immediately be one of the best guards in the conference. And then whenever Josh Myers decides to head on to the league, he's going to take over at center and be a top two round pick in a couple of years. Like that's how confident I am in Harry Miller, just because everything about him is so impressive. Right. And then there's NPF who I believe uh, I read somewhere. He was like the second or third highest rated offensive lineman ever recruited to OSU in the modern era. And we've just been waiting for him. And I know some people are like, dude, what's up with NPF? He was such a highly rated player. Why hasn't he got on on the field yet? Why, why this, why that? Right. Look, the O-line is a position sometimes where like, it's not a position where young guys often succeed, right? Like when you have a ready-made star coming on campus at that position, it's any offensive line position. It's very rare. It's not like wide receiver tailback where it's a little more plug and play. Right. And so I think NPF's biggest thing is everybody saw his potential and it just took him a little while to finally get the weight that's required to be a real stud uh, tackle, right? So I'm very confident in NPF too. I think he's going to be really good. Um, I just, I just like you said, this is, this is one of those offensive lines where you look at it and if everybody stays healthy, it's really hard to argue against them being the best O-line in the country. And that's not hyperbolic. It's just the sheer amount of talent and the sheer amount of experience. I mean, you have three guys on this line that could have gone pro last year and probably would have been picked in the top three rounds. Like uh, Munford, Davis, and Myers all would have been first three-round picks is my guess. Munford might have slid to the fourth just because of the concern about his back, which appears to be healthy this year, fingers crossed. But the reality is this is a ridiculously good offensive line. And – uh, I think we should all be very excited about the the possibilities with them protecting Justin Fields. Yeah, it's to the point where if they're one of the best offensive lines in the country, not the best, I might be a little bit disappointed, and that might sound unfair, but I, I think guys like Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis would be first to say like that that's their expectation too. I mean, they, they you know, not that I've studied every offensive line in the country, but this one to me, uh, if it's not the best, I'll be disappointed because – this is a fantastic offensive line. I think they're just going to be crushing guys up front. Let's look at backup quarterback backs. I find this interesting. Now, Ryan Day absolutely knows who his backup quarterback is three days from, from game day. Now. Um, but yesterday on the call, I had a chance to ask him, um, you know, who is your number two quarterback? And, you know, he's not ready to, to make let, that declaration yet. And I don't blame him. You know, why not let these guys just continue to battle it out? Again, Ryan Day, absolutely. If you're a listener out there wondering, does he really not know who is – Backup quarterback is he knows 
He knows. And I'm guessing it's C.J. Stroud, but he said they're all battling it out. Gunnar Hoke, the fifth-year senior, the transfer from Kentucky who came in last year, uh, his second year in the program now. C.J. Stroud, the true freshman. Jack Miller, the true freshman. I tend to think if they need somebody to come in to win the game, it'd be C.J. Stroud. If they need somebody to come in as the kind of window dressing first quarterback off the bench when they're winning by a lot in the fourth quarter, it might be Gunnar Hoke. But uh, what did you make of Ryan Day kind of punting on naming a number two quarterback backs? Well, I think it's just him trying to keep these kids in a competition as much as possible. Like, let's be real here. There's going to be a lot less playing time this year uh, for the backups because you're playing only conference games. You're not going to have a couple sacrifices to start the year, right? There's not going to be any 70 to three games in week one against Bowling Green or whatever, right? So if you're Ryan Day, your priority with your two younger quarterbacks in Miller and Stroud is to have both of them primarily believe they have a fair and clear shot at starting next year because Fields will be gone and Hoke will be gone. And you got Kyle McCord coming in as a true freshman, right? But the reality is, so it's going to be Stroud and Miller, who are the two that Ohio State is going to primarily look at to compete. What you don't want is a scenario where Ryan Day goes, hey, guys, yeah, Jack Miller's really good, but holy shit, C.J. Stroud is amazing. you know. And then Jack Miller's like, cool, it's not worth me being here. I'm going to go somewhere I can start because this year doesn't count from eligibility clock anyways because the NCAA says it's a weird year. So if you're Ohio State, you don't really want to pick one over the other. You may have – a situation where one week CJ Stroud's the first guy off the bench. And then the other guy is Jack Miller in a blowout, right? Maybe the next week it's, it's vice versa. Right. And I think if you're Ryan day, you want to dole out that playing time judiciously in that you want these guys both raring to go to compete through spring and summer next year, whenever we get back to a normal season, because being part of the same class creates some scenarios of, look, one of them's probably not going to stay here five years if the other one beats them out, right? Like, that's just how it works with quarterbacks. It's like the most transferred position because there can be only one. And I think that's why Ryan Day isn't sitting here saying, wow, I can't wait to see, you know, let's say Jack Miller's the guy, right? I, I think it's C.J. Stroud, but I'm I, I not in the position to say who it is. But, like, let's say it's Jack Miller. That Ryan Day sitting here going, man, that guy's going to be amazing next year. He's not going to come out and say that because you don't want the other guy to transfer out. You know, the other guy to go, cool, it was a fun year at Ohio State, learned a lot, piece I'm off the start at Oregon State or something, right? Because that's the other thing. Neither of them are Ohio guys, right? Jack Miller is, is Arizona. C.J. Stroud is from, what, Rancho Cucamonga, California? Like, those are guys who, you know, they're coming here to, because they have a chance to develop into an elite-level quarterback under one of the best quarterback gurus in America. So Ryan Day is not telling you who the starter is for a very good strategic reason. Sorry, the backup is for a very good strategic reason. Um I do expect it to be C.J. Stroud, and God forbid anything serious ever happened to Justin Fields. Then I think we have to, you know, that's where the point where it's the rubber meets the road on which one you're going to play. And I think in that scenario, it would be C.J. Stroud. But Ryan Day is not going to make that clear cut all year, if you want my humble opinion. It's going to be Justin Fields and then Hoke or Miller or Stroud is my guess is the way it's going to show up. Great stuff from the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thanks again to Bax and Bucknutters. We have some fantastic news coming on Bucknuts later today. We're very excited about this. I've already said too much. Stay tuned. Fantastic news on Bucknuts later today. Thanks again to Bax. Thank you to all the listeners. Have a great day, Bucknutters. Bucknutters.